Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be here, isn't it, in his presence. So many people too. It's great, isn't it? I hope you're all well and blessed in the Lord. Let's pray and we'll get into the word. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just want to thank you for another wonderful morning in your presence, Lord. I thank you that you come to us, Lord. Lord, with the sweetness of your spirit, seeking fellowship, Lord. That's what this is all about. Lord, when you died, Lord, when you shed your blood, you saved the people for yourself. You have called us, saved us to yourself so that we can be in your presence. There is nothing greater than that. There is no higher privilege than to be called a son or daughter of God this morning. And that is what we are because of the love you've lavished upon us. God, I just pray today you would use me, Lord, just to communicate your word to your people one more time. Lord, we just pray that every head would be lifted. Lord, all eyes would be raised and people would see past the problems of life to you, the author of life. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Help me, I'm just a man full of frailty. I'm only human, human after all. But Lord Jesus, you love to use us in our humanity. I pray this morning would be no different. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about moving out of unbelief. Moving out of unbelief. So I'd like us to read from a, an amazing story. It's in 2 Kings chapter 7, and I'm going to read the first 10 verses with you this morning. Moving out of unbelief. And a little bit of context. Um, the children of Jerusalem are, the, you know, there's been a massive siege by Ben-Hadad and the Syrian armies and the children of Israel are are locked in Jerusalem and things have gotten particularly bad. Uh, In the previous chapter, you read that women were were eating the children of other women. Cannibalism was going on uh, within Israel at that time. Um, There was no food. They were eating the heads of donkeys. They were eating dove's dung. And it was just a, they were in a broken place. They were in such a broken place. Uh, and I want to just pick it up in chapter one here because, oh, excuse me, in verse one, because uh, the, king, the king at the time sends emissaries to the man of God, to Elisha, seeking a word uh, for the people at that time. So I'd like to just read um, here and now. Let's go. Second Kings 7, uh, verse one. But Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about the time, uh, about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Wow. Then the captain on whose hand the king leaned said to the man of God, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? 
But he said, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance of the gates, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? What a question. Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. If we sit here, we shall die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. Wow, wow, wow. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was. And they fled for their lives. Amazing. And when the lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank. And they carried off silver and gold and clothing. And they went and hid them. I just want to hit pause here. Can I ask you to use your imagination this morning? Can you imagine that? Four lepers in an enemy camp and no one's home. It's like home alone, but with lepers instead of Macaulay Culkin. And they're, they're, they're wearing jewellery that they don't own, but it's theirs now. And they're, they're dressing in all these fine robes. And they're sitting at a table. And they're eating and they're drinking. And they're wondering how on earth they've come into such an amazing situation. It's amazing. Imagine it. So funny. And look at this here. Then they came back, verse 8, and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. And then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they came and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no one to be seen or heard there, nothing but the horses tied and the donkeys tied and the tents as they were. I want to leave it there for now, and we'll pick up later. What an amazing story. Four lepers move out from a place of unbelief into a victory that they never fought for, that they didn't earn. It's amazing. And you know, folks, Well, I'd like to read something to you here. It's from Martin Luther King. Um, He said this, I can't stay where I am. If you can't fly, then run. And if you can't run, then walk. And if you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you've got to keep moving forward. Well, it's amazing, isn't it? Here are these lepers at the gates, in in the height of a famine. And there's grace for them to move forward into a victory. 
And for some of us, we might be in famines this morning. We might be in places of unbelief. That, that place at that time, Jerusalem, it was a place of unbelief. The king himself, when he heard the reports of the women in the previous chapter, said, well, if the Lord isn't going to help you, how can I help you? Those in high places said, even if God were to open the windows of heaven, this thing could never be. It was a place of unbelief. Yet they chose not to stay. They chose not to stay. Why should we sit here until we die? Let me say this this morning. You can't stay where you are. I'm talking to somebody. You can't stay where you are. Whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. You have to keep moving forward. And if you're going to overcome unbelief and move forward, there are some things you need to know. I'll give you an overview this morning. If you're going to overcome unbelief, you need to know this, that in the depths of our unbelief, grace is at work. Number two, the smallest step of faith is still a giant leap into his victory. Can I get an amen this morning? That's wonderful. And the last thing is this, you need to know his grace is inexhaustible. Hallelujah. And when you tell others, begin to tell others about his inexhaustible grace, you begin to trample unbelief underfoot. Hallelujah. Let's get started. The first thing, in the depths of our unbelief, grace is at work. Hallelujah this morning. Four lepers unwelcomed in the city. If you were a leper at that time, you had no place in the city. They knew that they weren't going to get food. They weren't, even if it wasn't a famine. They had no place, no right of inheritance because they were lepers. Amazing. So they stayed at the gates. And you know, most Jewish commentators believe that it was actually Gehazi and his three sons. So after Gehazi had taken the clothing from Naaman and been struck with leprosy, most Jewish commentators believe that he went and stayed at the gates. So he's in a situation perhaps of his own making. He's in that place. There's a famine going on. He's got no right to food and he's there because of his own foolishness and short-sightedness. Unbelief. Sometimes, sometimes we get there because we've, we've done it to ourselves. Sometimes we've offered situations and we can be in them for so long that we begin to lose hope. Isn't it true? In a famine so long, you begin to lose hope. In a hard place so long, you begin to lose hope. And unbelief comes to us in those places and we stop believing that we could expect anything more from God. Oswald Chambers said that the great paralysis of our heart is unbelief. St. Augustine said, it is no advantage to be near the light if our eyes are closed. Hudson Taylor said, when unbelief sees difficulties, Faith sees God between itself and them. Amen? Amen. Unbelief is spiritual paralysis. Folks, it's character assassination. We can be in things so long, we stop believing that God will be good, that God will be kind, that God will be merciful. David Wilkerson said, Today, some Christians are content to merely exist until they die. They don't want to risk anything to believe God, to grow or mature. 
They refuse to believe his word and have become hardened in their unbelief. Now they're just living to die. Some of us can be in those seasons of life where we have just, we're just living to die. Let's be honest. We can go there because of that consistent exposure to difficulty. But if that's you this morning, I want you to know that that grace is at work in your unbelief. And I'm going to show you here in the text that there were two graces already at work. Although there was unbelief, God was still working. Look at this here. The first one was verse four. There was a word in in, in verse one, excuse me. There was a word that was spoken over those lepers and they didn't know it. The word was this time tomorrow, there will be food at the gates. This time tomorrow, your situation will be different. There was a word spoken. It's amazing. The promises of God are spoken over you and I this morning. Regardless of where we are in our faith, the promises are yours and they've gone ahead of you. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, I may not be able to see the promises, reach out and apprehend them. They're still there. They were still spoken over you. It's like they were for these four lepers. And what I love, folks, try and get this picture. The promises of God have a head start on you. Isn't that wonderful? They've gone out from the mouth of God and they've gone ahead of you. They've got a head start on you. So wherever you go, you're only walking where they've been before. And I'm going to show you that in the text in just a moment. But what an amazing thing. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, All the promises of God find their yes in Christ. Isn't that amazing? And that word yes actually means certainly. Even so, that's what it means. Can you begin to apprehend that this morning, church? God isn't just saying, yes, all right, fair enough. The cross is a loophole and I guess I have to give it to you, but I don't want to. It is an emphatic, yes, certainly. That promise is for you. That promise is for me. If you're in Christ, some of us need to take hold of this. You're not in crisis. You're in Christ. And if you're in Christ, no matter the crisis, the promises are over you. What a grace, what a mercy from God this morning. It's tremendous. And there's a second grace that's in our unbelief. It's working right now, even if we're not in a place where we can receive the love of God for ourselves. God allows famines into our lives. Famines, lean times. It's grace disguised as crisis. Look at Luke chapter 15, verses 6 through 19. And keep this in mind. Why should I sit here until I die? Verse 16, the prodigal son. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. And look at verse 17 and say hallelujah. Look at this. When he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, the famine brought clarity. The famine brought clarity. How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. A famine. I will set out and go back to my father. Hallelujah. 
Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. It's grace this morning. Hallelujah. The famines in our lives that cause our mindsets to shift. We heard that Wednesday from Dara so beautifully that these things come, traumas can come to flush us out. What a wonderful way of looking at it, to flush us out, to bring us to an aha moment. Why am I sitting here until I die? Why am I sitting here waiting to die? They came to their senses, their, their crisis brought clarity, a new mindset. I will not make my home in unbelief. Sitting, that word, it means to make a home or an abode. I will not live in unbelief. I can't go, and what, what do they do? They begin to reason with a new mindset. I can't go back to the city. I'll die there. I can't stay here waiting to die. So I'm going to move forward. I'm going to walk toward the Syrian camp. Perhaps I will experience mercy. Maybe God will be merciful to me, even if it's through my enemies. I can't go back. The world has nothing to offer me. I can't stay here and live in unbelief. So I'm moving forward. You know, it's funny when you go back to the Exodus, to the crossing of the Red Sea, the children of Israel stood on the banks of the Red Sea with the Egyptians behind them. They couldn't go back and they couldn't go forward. They couldn't stay there between the Egyptians and the Red Sea. And what did God say to Moses? Stop crying to me, move forward. Stop crying to me, move forward. I am rich in mercy. Oh, I'll show you mercy. I'll be merciful to you. Move forward. Stop crying to me. You can't stay here. Hallelujah. Heartbreak, bitterness, offense, unforgiveness, unbelief, no resources, dead marriages. I will not walk away from these things. I'm not going back to the world, not abandoning my situation but I'm not going to sit here in unbelief. I'm moving forward. His promises are still yes and amen. I'm still in Christ. The road ahead might be hard, impossible in the natural, but he will be kind to me. I will find grace. My father will have mercy on me. That leanness is a call out of the grave Back to the grace of the gospel. If there is any hope, it is beyond you and beyond me, beyond where we're at. There is no life in self, no power, no ability, no qualification in self. It must be a return to the grace of the gospel. It must be a return to him, his power, his character, his benevolence. That is the beginning of a rise out of unbelief. That is the beginning. The second point I want to make to you, church, this morning, if you're still with me. <laughs> the smallest step of faith is a giant leap into his victory. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? Hallelujah. Into a battle fought and won in the past that secures our future. Hallelujah this morning. The Bible says they arose. Verse 5, they arose and that word arose means to rise with a cause. 
to rise and become powerful. Oh, and I have to give Pastor Hamp all the credit for this. He showed me this verse. It's amazing. It's from the book of Job. At least there is hope for a tree. This is verse 14. Chapter 14, verse 7. At least there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again. And its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in the ground and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water, at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. Come on, at the scent of water, at the scent of mercy, at the scent of mercy. Are you cut down? Are you a dead thing? Hope again in his kindness. Perhaps my father will be merciful to me. Just the scent of mercy, just the promise of grace causes us to rise up and move forward. Come on, church, out of unbelief. He will show me mercy. He will be good to me. He will be kind to me. He will be what his word says that he is. This is not my lot. There is more for me. I'm going back to my father. And they rose in that thought. They became strong in that thought. A new mindset brought a new course of action. A new pattern of behavior. Something galvanized in these men and they stood up in the strength of a new mindset. They were empowered there and then. And look at this word twilight, very important. They didn't wait around either. I like that. They didn't wait around. See, faith isn't faith until you take the step. It's not. Martin Luther King, as well, I should cut him a check. Faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. Isn't that wonderful? And so they began to walk to the Syrian camp. Walk toward the obstacle instead of run from it. Walk toward the limitation instead of away from it. That's faith, folks. That's faith. I'm moving forward. Despite how it looks in the natural, the feelings will follow. I'm not sitting here until I feel it. I'm not sitting here until I feel it. I'm not waiting for something to move in the situation before I start. I'm trusting in mercy. I'm going back to my father. He will be kind to me. I have nothing to offer. So I'm trusting in his grace by faith for my situation. I have nothing to offer, but I'm trusting in his character. Charles Spurgeon said, my faith rests not in what I am or shall be or feel or know, but in what Christ is in what he has done and in what he is doing for me. Amen. Amen. I'm going, I'm doing, I'm reading that again. Can I read it again? Hallelujah. My faith rests not in what I am or shall be or feel or know, but in what Christ is, in what he has done and in what he's doing for me. Hallelujah this morning. And look, it starts getting good here, folks. They walked to the edge of the Syrian camp and there was nobody there. There should have been thousands of Syrians there and there was nobody there. They moved in faith, driven by necessity and the scent of grace and mercy. 
and they should have encountered Syrian troops and instead they found nobody. They were in the borders of the enemy camp in the natural, but spiritually they were on the borders of a miracle, the borders of a victory already won. Folks, when we step out in faith, we discover that he's gone before us, that he's already done it. It's amazing. Look at Psalm 77. I love this. Your way was through the sea, through the impossible, through the obstacle. Your path was through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Someone had gone before them and yet the footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Folks, when we step in faith, we step into his unseen footprints. Amazing. 2 Corinthians 2.14 calls it a triumphal procession. Wonderful. Christ goes before us and we in his footsteps. Don't underestimate the power of a step of faith, a small step of faith. I want to look at Joshua chapter 3 quickly with you. The children of Israel are crossing going over the Jordan to inherit the land of Canaan. Verse 15, and as soon as those, chapter three, verse 15, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, just a small step. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout that time of the harvest. So the Jordan visibly was as high as it was going to be that entire year. And God simply said, put your foot in, priest first, holding the ark of the presence, and I'll do the rest. And so they put their foot in, and verse 16, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. At where? At Adam. At Adam, very important. The city that is beside Zarethan and those flowing down, Towards the Sea of Araba, the Salt Sea were completely cut off and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground. Everybody say dry ground this morning. In the midst of the Jordan and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until the nation finished passing over the Jordan. You know, if we would only move straight ahead in faith, the path would be open for us. But we stand still waiting for the obstacle to be removed when we ought to go forward as if there were no obstacles at all. Faith clears all obstacles before it. Amen? All obstacles before it. By faith this morning, nothing is in your way. But if you don't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. Amen? Do you see it? He's pushed back the curse of Adam. The, he's removed the reproach of Egypt. Everything that stood between you and the inheritance that lies before you, who you are, what you've done, your failures, your history, your background, all of it. You are not cut off this morning. You are not abandoned in your situation. Mercy triumphs over justice. All that flowed from Adam is cut off by all that flows from Christ. 
Isn't that amazing? He made a highway through the sea. He made a highway for them. I'm going to attempt to give an analogy here uh, and pronounce this. It is a a river in Poland, and it's called the Vongrovets Bifurcation. Amen. I'm sure it sounds exactly like that. Exactly like that. It is one of only two places in the world where two rivers cross each other without the waters mixing. Interesting. So you've got all that flowed from Adam and all that flows from Christ. And there's a cross, there's an intersection between justice and mercy. It's wonderful. A river of mercy intersects a river of justice, never to mix. They crossed over at the point of intersection. The place where justice and mercy intersect, the cross. They crossed over at the cross. Folks, because of the cross and the merits of the cross, nothing will stand in your way if you stand in faith this morning. Faith overrules the natural. Faith grants us access. I want you to consider the widow of Zarephath this morning. The man, Elijah, the man of God comes and asks. He's promised that she'd be the one to feed him. And he comes and he asks for a cake. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And yet she made the man of God food with all she had left. Just a little cake, a little step of faith this morning. Amen. Just a little cake. And look at verse 16 of chapter 17. The jar of flour, it was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah. Isn't that amazing? She trusted, she took the small step of faith and what should have been the end for her lasted miraculously because God began to work and upset the natural through faith. Hallelujah this morning. Lord, open our eyes to the possibilities that faith provides for us. Everything that in the natural tells you no, he is overruled with a yes and an amen. Isn't that wonderful? Certainly in Adam, we're all lepers, unworthy to inherit but in Christ, and don't, 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 don't throw, throw tomatoes at me. We're, in Adam, we're all lepers, unworthy to inherit. But in Christ, we're all leapers. Amen? <laughs> Overcomers. <laughs> yeah? Dad joke. I've got two kids. I'm allowed. A dad joke. In Adam, we're lepers. In Christ, we're leapers. Overcomers this morning. But we must agree. There's power in agreement. Let me show you. Verse 6. It says that they heard the sound of horses and an army. In Habakkuk, it says, verse 10 of chapter 3, the mountains watched and trembled onwards, swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands in submission. You trampled the sea with your horses. Hallelujah. And the mighty waters piled high. Oh, there was no contest between what was in your way and the God who went before you. Folks, agreement is powerful. It's powerful. What does agreement with God sound like? It sounds like horses and an army. 
power in agreement. That's what it sounds like. The power of a believer walking in agreement with God's promises this morning. As they began to rise up in faith, he began to fight for them. I love it. You know, this morning I was just seeking God for this word and it just dropped into my spirit. Horses and chariots. It's like the sound of the father running back to the son. As the son begins to walk forward in faith, the father begins to run and that sound of the father running was like horses and chariots. I love it. Running. Folks, agreement this morning is powerful. I want you to consider Peter. In Matthew 14, verse 29, Jesus said to Peter on the lake of of Galilee, he said, come to me. They were in a storm and he said, come to me. And so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and he came to Jesus. I want you to think this morning, Peter was not walking on water, but on a word. And the word was come. He was walking on a word. Look at the lyrics to this song. Be still my heart, for faithful is your Lord, and pure and true and tried his holy words. Though stormy flood that rages as the sea, his promises, your stepping stones shall be. Hallelujah. Peter, he wasn't walking on water, folks. He was walking on the word. He was walking on what God said to him. Peter saw that everything that threatened to be over his head was already under Jesus' feet. Hallelujah. This morning, I believe things will move when I move. I'm not going to wait until I see it. I'm taking a step, not on my ability, emotions, but on his promises. His promises are my stepping stones. Every I will from the mouth of God becomes sure footing for every leper. Hallelujah. Everything in my way is under Jesus' feet. Every obstacle, the resentments, the unforgiveness, the lack of resources, death itself is overruled. At the cross, he secured the fulfillment of every promise. They are stable ground. Begin to walk on them. Begin to walk on them. I can step on them into my future. I'm walking on his word. I'm walking through the fire on his word. I'm walking through the flood on his word. I'm walking across the seas on his word. It doesn't matter what's in my way. His word goes before me. And should I walk in faith, there will be no Syrians at the border of my promise. Verse seven, they fled away at twilight. And I told you to remember that word, twilight. The Bible says a few verses earlier, at twilight they rose up. And at twilight, as they rose in faith, the Syrians were fleeing. Amazing. The power that's released when the weakest saint begins to hope and move towards his mercy. Hallelujah this morning. Amazing. The enemy flees. Oh, you might think it's a little step of faith. You don't know what it's doing in the enemy camp. You don't know what, what's released over the problem in your way. You don't know what's released over the thing that seems to be buffeting you in the natural. Rise up and believe this morning. Oh, what victories are being fought and won on your behalf, Christian. Right now, as you decide to rise up in belief, 
As you flee to mercy, the enemy is fleeing for his life. Thank you, God. The last point I want to make this morning is that his grace is inexhaustible. We, when we tell others, and when we, t- we tell others, we trample unbelief underfoot. Look here in verse 8. What a picture of the gospel. We talked about it in the gold chains and in the clothes and they're eating the food and they're enjoying it. What a picture of the gospel this morning. Four lepers enjoying the spoils of a victory from a battle they never fought. While they were in sin, leprosy and death, when they were in famine, he had won a victory on their behalf. They entered in by faith in his kindness and graciousness. They entered into a victory, one in the past that secured their future. Hallelujah. The least of the least are the first to partake in his victory. In his mercy, in his grace, the least deserving, the lame, the outcasts, in his grace, by his grace, they become kings and priests around a table of unmerited kindness. I have stepped, you have stepped into everything that we need for our situation by faith, in his grace and in his kindness. Everything you need is in the work of Christ this morning. Hallelujah. All according to his promises. The Bible says that they went into the tent and they ate and they drank. and They carried off the silver and the gold and the clothing and they went and hid them. Poor lepers. Hoarding because they never had anything. They never had anything. So they couldn't believe that it would last. They couldn't enjoy his favour because they didn't believe it would last. Let me tell you, there's more than enough grace for your situation. You aren't one mistake away. You aren't on your last chance this morning. His grace is inexhaustible. Oh, there's plenty this morning. Can I get an amen, church? Oh, there's plenty. Oh, there's plenty. Enjoy the grace of God this morning. Hallelujah. And so they enjoy his grace and his mercy again and again. And what happens? They say, hey, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news. If we're silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell. So they went from hiding to telling. Isn't it amazing? An initial experience of grace where we aren't confident that there's enough for us to growing in grace where we see that there is no end to his kindness and mercy. He'll be good to me, but he's going to be good to everybody else. Amen, who will come? Hallelujah. And so they say, we have to tell others. I'm going to take this grace that has saved me and I'm going to bring it to people who need to hear it as well. They began to live for others. They began to live not just as beneficiaries of the gospel, but heralds of the gospel as well. And the Bible says in the rest of the passage that they go back to the king. The king thinks that the Syrians are planning some sort of ruse. And so he sends horses out to see whether or not they're hiding in the open country. And when he does, he finds that the Syrians had run in such haste that they'd left clothing all the way along the road as they went. And the Bible says that the people ran out from the gates 
and they ran over the man who had said in verse one that God wouldn't be able to do it even if the, heaven, the storehouses of heaven were opened. So they trampled over unbelief on their way to victory. It's amazing. That's what they did. They went from hiding to telling. They went to tell others to bring them to the same well. This morning, in closing, this is the final part. When you begin to live for others, when you taste this grace and begin to bring it to others, you trample unbelief underfoot. Hallelujah. So in conclusion, he's gone before me. Amen. And I'm moving forward out of unbelief in unseen footsteps. His promises are my stepping stones into inexhaustible grace. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me and we'll, we'll pray this morning. This morning, I just want to encourage anybody under the sound of my voice who is in that place that there's a simple call and it's to just take a small step of faith, just a small step of faith out of, out of whatever it is that you're in. It might be unforgiveness. It might be fear. It might be bitterness. It might be heartbreak this morning. Whatever brokenness, whatever seems like a dead situation, whatever has taken any hope from you, it's as simple as beginning to see that there's grace working in spite of how you feel and in spite of where you are. It's still working. God hasn't abandoned you to this. He hasn't left you in this. He's working. His word has gone before you. His promises are yours. And all, all he's calling you to do is trust again that he will be kind to you. And on those promises, you can begin to step forward. It might only be a small step of faith, but let it be a step of faith. Let it be a step of faith this morning. Maybe, maybe you're in a marriage and it's loveless. You've lost the affection embrace that partner again embrace them again don't wait for the feeling don't wait for the feeling begin to be warm again loving again choose to love again some of us have to make phone calls ring people we're estranged from they've hurt us they've wounded us left us in a place where we feel broken we're not waiting for it to feel right I'm choosing to love again, not because they've loved me in a, in, in a way that's good, but because I've been loved by the Lord. I've been so wonderfully loved. So I'm moving out in that, in the love that he has for me, in the promises he's made over my life. Will you lift your hands with me this morning? Let's just pray. Lord, I just thank you for the victory of the cross. Lord, there's nothing more wonderful nothing more powerful than knowing, Lord, that we will be received by you because you're merciful to us. You are good to us all the time, Lord. 
And I pray, Lord, as we begin to move out from this place, there might be some of us in situations we, we're in, we've been in unbelief for a while. I pray, Lord God, that we would be stirred this morning. Lord, to rise up, Lord, in your mercies. Lord, and by your mercies and begin to move forward again. In the name of Jesus, oh, we can't stay where we are. But Lord, I thank you, Lord, that on the other side of a step of faith is inexhaustible grace. More than enough for my situation, more than enough for me, but enough for those around me, Lord. Enough for those around me. Enough for me and my children. Enough for me and my wife, my husband, my situation. Oh Lord, this morning, fill our hearts. Touch us, God, by your Spirit. Touch us, open us up again. Help us see higher in your name, we pray, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord, this morning. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.